All right, I think we are ready to get started here. Good commotion and chatter, so we'll let you get back to your seats. Let me as well say good morning to everybody who is online with us today. It's great to have you here. Uh, my name is Sean, and one of the pastors here on this team, and happy family day, long weekend, everybody. How many of you are excited to get an extra day off tomorrow? Come on, nothing, nothing feels better than that. It's good. Um, one of the other things that um, I am mindful of in the month of February, I just I want to talk about this just for a moment here, and I have no notes on this, but I just I really felt today it was important to do this. But um, the month of February is Black History Month, and I've been doing uh, some research and some trying to educate myself on our black community, and just this is a month where we get to honor and. And I've uh, found it quite intriguing again in my, in my educating to hear some of the stories, many stories of injustice and the things that our black community has had to walk through. And, and it, it obviously grieves my heart, the things that I'm reading, the things that I see. And with all of that said, not to make light of it, um, but what I, what I wanted to say today is this. For those of you who are here and you're a part of our black community, I just want to say I'm so glad that you're here. I want to say I'm so thankful that you are a part of this church. We, we are better because of you. And I just want you to know as from our leadership team, thank you for who you are and the beauty that you bring with who you are. And so we as a church, we welcome you today. So thank you for that. Last weekend, Super Bowl. How many of you watched the Super Bowl? How many of you were cheering for the San Francisco 49ers? Boo, is what I would say. <laughs> I, I'll just keep going or else I'm going to get myself in trouble. Anyway, uh, one of the highlights of Super Bowl Sunday are these things that we have been rejected with in Canada. And it is the Super Bowl commercials. Out of the United States, they make epic commercials that suddenly will fill our channels up here as well over the next days and weeks. But uh, for some reason, they block these commercials uh, here. And it's maddening, to say the least. So let's, uh, let's change that, Canada. Like, it would be good, right? But one of the commercials last weekend... Was a, was a commercial on Skechers. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to spell Skechers in your mind right now. Go ahead, just kind of get that done. How would you spell Skechers? And, and, and so the idea and the premise of Skechers was this. How many of you spelt Skechers with a T in it? Yeah, well, you're wrong, actually, because Skechers has no T in it was this commercial. It hosted a former NFL quarterback, Tony Romo, and then the whole premise of the commercial is that you've got to put a T in Skechers. So they went and hired Mr. T for the commercial. We're going to put a T into the Skechers. And so all of a sudden, this guy whose name is Mr. T is putting himself into the Skechers. I pity the fool. Like, you know, all of that about Mr. T. And, and it caught my attention because I knew what I was doing today. I knew where I was going today. But Mr. T showed up in the Super Bowl commercial because if you didn't know this, 40 years ago to last Sunday's Super Bowl, at Super Bowl 17, at the conclusion of it, what premiered on air was probably one of the most epic TV shows that you could 
ever watched, and I think many of you know what I'm about to talk about, but it was the TV show called The A-Team. All right, like The A-Team. It was an epic show. What it was is these four guys, they were former Army veterans, and yet something had happened in their story. They were fleeing, but they became mercenaries in the United States of America. They would find these random moments of opportunity so that they could help and assist people and kind of overturn injustices that were happening everywhere. And, and this misfit of people, I, I have to introduce you to them. They're, they're great. First of all, center at bottom is Hannibal. Hannibal is like the brains of the operation. He's, he's the plan guy. And he's always so calm and cool with the cigar in his mouth. Nothing really rattles Hannibal. To his, up on the left side of the screen, this is Face Man, or we call him Face. Somebody say Face. I mean, we're personal here. So it's Face. And he was kind of the pretty boy of the group. Like he, whenever you needed to talk to the females, this is the guy, and he would kind of swindle and deal. Then in the middle, you got Murdoch, and that guy was crazy. Like he did things that were just uncommon, perhaps sometimes unnecessary, but it was, it was Murdoch. And then all of a sudden over here, you got Bosco, nicknamed B.A. Baracus, B.A. standing for bad attitude, all right? Let's make sure we get that straight 11 o'clock gathering. Nothing else right here. B.A. Baracus, other words known as in our own church language, Pastor Tyson Stare, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, like muscles and wise. Like, oh, we keep talking about it. Do you want to do a flexing show with us right now? Okay, all right. So, But the, the A team, and, and what would happen is, is a, something was presented to them, then Hannibal, he'd go to work. He would devise and structure this incredible plan. It seemed uncommon. It seemed like it couldn't happen. But all of the sudden, at the end of the 60 minutes of the show called The A-Team, Hannibal would stand in front of his boys, cigar in his hand and in his mouth, and he would have this crazy little smirk on his face, and all he would say is this, I love it when a plan comes together. How many of you love it when your plans come together? So today, I want to kind of take a, a look at this plan and idea of I love it when a plan comes together. Now, to do that, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 to 13. If you have your Bibles, you can pull them out, take a look. If you don't, the words will be on the screen for us together. So let's take a look. It says, though I am the least deserving the I in this story, his name is Paul. And Paul just happens to be in prison as he writes this letter to the Ephesian church. And he's saying, though I am the least deserving. So we get the idea of what he's trying to say. I'm a nobody here. So, but he continues. So let's take a look. I am the least deserving of all God's people. He graciously, though, gave me the privilege of telling Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. And there it is, our theme, again, in Christ. It says, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan, somebody say plan, plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning of time. See, God's purpose, his plan, in all of this was to use the church, somebody say church, to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the places. And this was, or actually he continues, in his wisdom in its variety to all the unseen rulers 
and authorities in the heavenly places. See, this was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Jesus Christ our Lord. And because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Thank you, Paul. But there is the reading of the word of God today. Can we pray one more time as we have read the word and then we'll jump in. So Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Your word is life and your word changes us. So I ask that you would change us today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. This morning, I would like to speak to us from the subject, the, the plan. Or I love it when a plan comes together. Today, we are returning to our series that we are walking through in the month of February called Rooted. The reason we chose the series name Rooted comes out of the prayer that I'll address next Sunday morning and one that Pastor Tyson showed us to at the beginning two weeks ago. But this idea of being rooted means this, is that what we're about to discover together in Ephesians chapter 3, if you allow it to be heard in your life, but you allow yourself to understand its depth and its significance, you become rooted. Like there's a strength and a security, there's a foundation that can happen when we pay attention to what the Apostle Paul is trying to communicate to us. Pastor Tyson, he shared a beautiful message. I mean, if you have not heard that message, go back two weeks and, and, and catch it. it it's, it's great for understanding the mystery that Paul is talking to us about. There is this incredible mystery. And what Paul is trying to help you and I understand, though, is like the, the mysteries that we often think are secret and hidden and we're unable to find out maybe until the end of the movie or the book. That's not this type of mystery. What Paul is saying is that I've got a mystery that's been disclosed from the beginning of all time, but it is now made open. So what we see here is that Paul is letting you and I know that there is a secret, a a, a mystery, but it is now open for anybody who wants to hear it. And if you hear this message, rooted can become your story as well. In fact, the language that we see in in Paul's story here is he used the word reveal. I'm going to bring a reveal to you. Now, the Greek word for the word reveal is apocalypsis, which is the root word today for us, apocalypse. Really what an apocalypse is, is, again, we keep referring to this, has nothing to do with zombies or the end of the world. What an apocalypse is, it's a reveal. What Paul is telling us today is that God wants to reveal apocalypse something in your life. And as Pastor Tyson kind of unpackaged the mystery, we learned a beautiful message around grace, that God saw all of us in our brokenness, in our despair, our separation from God. He decided to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for the sins of the world, but he didn't stay dead. He got back up. He is resurrected, and he basically lets us know today that this is a gift that is available to anybody and everybody. In fact, the thing about this gift is you can't earn it. There's nothing you can do, there's nothing you could say to God that would get this type of grace from him. All it is is God saying, here you go, because my mystery was to send my son to die for you, but to rise again. And then in our text that we have now just read today, there is another apocalypse that just happened. I actually just read it. And it's the second apocalypse of chapter 3. And what we're going to take a look at is is this. 
is that God decided to reveal the all-time plan for the design of his message to go forward. All-time plan. I just read it. Five quick verses. There it is. The plan. You got it? You good? Let's pray and you can go home. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that yet. But here's the idea today. There is a plan that God wants us to, to see. Paul used a language in verse 8, though, that I want to pay attention to. And he used the phrase, I am the least deserving of all of God's people. I think this is language that perhaps you have tried to communicate at one point. I know it's language that I've tried to communicate at one point. And the interesting thing about this is that that um, God is trying to communicate something to Paul, but he's like, I'm, I'm the least deserving. I don't, to be, I don't deserve to be in this spot to communicate the mystery, the grace that, that Jesus talked about. And really what Paul is digging into is this thing called identity. I really like this seat right now. Can I sit here actually for a moment? You stay where you are. Yeah. But the thing is, is that I think that we find an identification with, with the Apostle Paul. I really do. I think that many of us, we've considered the question of identity in our lives. And a lot like Paul in his language, I'm the least deserving. I think some of us too have kind of sat in these spaces and I've sat in these chairs too where it's like, God can't use me. Like if, 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 if God really knew what I did, there's no way that he could use me. I mean, I don't have this great big resume. I'm only a certain age, right? right? Like, it's, like I could do whatever I had and God can't use me. And there's, there's no way that God, that God could do this. And yet what we cannot do here today is we cannot misunderstand what the Apostle Paul is doing. When he makes the statement, I am the least deserving, he is not throwing a pity party for himself, oftentimes like you and I would do. He's not throwing a pity party here. What he is doing is really what I would call a grace recognition. He is understanding what has been given to him to make the comment, I don't deserve this grace. I don't deserve this mystery. But for some reason, God has allowed me to be able to share this with, with the Gentile world. And he steps into that. And this is a big deal because Paul, he actually has a different name to the Jewish people, and it was, it was Saul. We, we've learned that Saul, you know what he did for fun? He put Christians in jail. And he killed some of them. Like, what a killjoy, right? Like, this is what he did. This was his life. Over here, when he's called Paul to the Gentile population, we learn that he's in prison. And all these things don't make sense. And when, when Saul or Paul, however you look at him, he approaches God, he's like, I did a lot of not good things for your kingdom. And yet that's why today he makes that statement. I, like, I'm, I'm the least deserving of, of all of God's people. It's not a poor me syndrome. It's a statement about the mystery of grace, that God has given something to Paul that he doesn't deserve. And God, the same way, has given a grace to you and I today that we don't deserve either. Yet, nonetheless, it teaches us something very valuable about Paul's life and something about your life. And it is this, please never discredit God's need and use for your life. Every single person who hears this sentence today, please do not discredit. God needs you, and he wants to use you a lot with what he did with Paul. 
And Paul doubles down on this grace. This doesn't make sense, God, that you would use somebody like me, but nonetheless, he still does it because it shows us God can and he will use anybody who allows themselves to be used by him. And I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to look impressive to him. You don't have to have that resume. You don't have to come from that particular family or have this socioeconomic status. You do not have to have those things. God in his grace gives to us freely today. What Paul is encouraging us with, though, is all you need to do is accept the mystery of the gospel. You got to accept the grace. Jesus Christ has died. He has risen. And guess what? Jesus needs you. He wants you to do something for his kingdom. That's a beautiful story. Paul was the person that God needed to take a message to the Gentile people. And the message was this. Jesus Christ is available to everybody who calls on his name. And that is why you can have good roots today. Because Jesus Christ is alive. And he is in charge. And that is an amen that should be happening in our hearts. Now, in the uh, 2020 year, I know it brought a lot of things, but one thing in particular that was quite fun was this thing called the Tokyo Olympics. One of the most anticipated events in the Olympics, in the Summer Olympics, that is, is this um, idea of the 4 by 100 meter, which holds uh, this little tool called a baton. Now, some of you, I know you're looking at me right now, and you're like, that's not a baton. That's a flashlight. Correct. Does that work? All right. For the sake of our conversation today, can you all just think that this is a baton? Is that okay? This is the closest thing I had. Yes? Are we good with that? All right. I just want to get that clear. Because if you don't, I will shine the light in your eyes. Okay, like, okay, so this is a baton. But um, coming into the 2020 Olympics, the American team was supposed to win it all. They were a favorites yet again in what was going to take place. And the whole idea of this race is that you have to hand off the baton to the person who's in front of you, and it's a relay to get around the track, and is, is a big deal. But I want you to see this about the American national team for a moment, is that starting in 2008 in the Beijing, Beijing Olympics, this team messed up the exchange of the baton in seven of the past 11 Olympics or world championship events. In fact, they had not finished races or they had been disqualified due to the ex baton exchange failure six times in total, which has become the worst failure rate for an organizational team, which I love that story <laughs> because me in America and sports, it's a thing. Anyway, so to see that happen for them is quite intriguing. And in 2020, guess what? They did it again. <laughs> But it wasn't in the finals this time. In fact, the event for them that fell apart in the baton exchange happened in the semifinals. They didn't even get to make it to the finals to do it, which is interesting to me because I want us to pay attention to the baton that we are talking about right here. The baton is actually never meant for you to hold on to it, only for a certain amount of time. 
But the goal for you is to actually go and give the baton. But the one thing you have to do in order to give the baton is you have to receive the baton. And this cycle of receiving to give becomes very important. In fact, when somebody gives the baton, what they are doing to you is they are passing the duty or the responsibility to you. They are removing it from themselves, although they're still part of the team, but they are giving it away. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is doing in this text today. Let me explain. The mystery, which is now open to all of us today, and here we see it, Paul is handing the baton over. Here is the mystery. And this is the beautiful part about all of this, is that in this mystery, Paul is kind of taking a step forward, and what he is doing is he is going to the next person in line, and he is saying, here you go. I'm going to give you the mystery of grace. I want you to take it, and I want you to do it with something. Now, Kyle has his hand stretched out right now, which is a really good thing, or else this illustration would fail. <laughs> but the reality is, is some of us in the baton exchange, hear me out when I say this, we're like the American team. We either don't want to accept it properly, we can't accept it properly, or we actually drop what has been given to us. And yet the baton when passed and received, and you can hold on to that for a few moments, is a very important symbol for us today for this one exact reason. In verse 10, I want us to see something, and it is the plan. And there you see it, God's plan. Somebody say plan. Somebody say purpose. God's plan and purpose in all of this, in the mystery of grace and telling a story about Jesus Christ, the plan is for God to use who? The church. God wants to use you. Like, let this sink in for a second. The plan all time forever has been that God is going to use his church in order, as I love these words, to display the wisdom of God. Like you are the walking example today of what the plan has always been. And I don't know about you, but that feels a little bit weighty today for me. Like God chose, he chose me to be the example to a world who needs to, yeah, it is the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all of the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 says this about God and the plan. He said that you are going to be his ambassadors. And guess what? God is trying to make this appeal to and through you, but he's asking you to take it to the world. God's plan all along is you. Take a good look at your neighbor for a second. Look at somebody. Catch them in the eye. God wanted them to actually be the plan to take this message forward. And I got to tell you, like when I see this idea of ambassadorship, I also go back to what Paul is saying. I'm the least deserving God. And yet God looks at Sean Chapman and he's like, I still want you. You've been the plan the whole time, dude. And same with you and I today. He looks at you and he's like, I don't have plan B, C, D, or Z. You're it. The church has always been the plan for me communicating myself to this broken world. And when I look at God, I actually have seen these transitions of God in the lens and the narrative of the scriptures. The first one I see is in the Old Testament. He's always looked at as the God out there. I mean, he was full of wrath 
and justice, and I could never get to him. But he was the God out there. God saw that. And I love what he does because in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, we see the transition of God. And he says this, okay, I'm not going to be the God out there anymore. I'm now going to be the God with you. In fact, I'm going to call my son Jesus the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God makes this transition, and he is now the God with us. And we believe this today, that he is still the God with us. Do you believe that today for your life? Like He's still the God with us. But God was like, I can one-up myself even with this. And he goes, listen, in Colossians verses 1, 27, he says this, not only am I going to be the God with you, I am now going to be the God in you. And this is what Paul is getting to. Jesus Christ died, resurrected, a part of the story. But Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the secret. God is no longer anywhere else except in you. Like, that's good news for us today. And I'm, I'm actually pretty sure if I could do, go face to face with God right now, he'd say, Sean Chapman, I want your I'm in bracelet because I want to put it on my wrist. I really do. We've asked you to wear these bracelets this year because we are in Christ. But what God does when he puts on this bracelet, he's like, guess what? I'm in. Guess what I'm into? I'm in you, literally, today. And I get excited about that when I see that because God, the creator of the universe, decides to plant himself in my life, that my life would be the plan so that the world and unseen powers could see the wisdom of God on full display. God is in you, and that should be exciting for you today as well because of verse 11 and what it communicated to us, that you are the eternal plan. You've always been. And I still think that we still hear the soundtrack in many of our minds. I'm the least deserving, though, Sean, and you're right. You are. But when God looks at you, He's in. He's in you. And you become the plan for what he wants to, to do and accomplish. In Matthew chapter 16, we're introduced to another gentleman. His name is, is Simon. And Simon is asked a question by Jesus. Hey, Simon, who do people say I am? And uh, Simon looks at him and says, well, actually, uh, you, you are the, the Christ, the, the son of the living God. Jesus is like, you get a gold star for that one, buddy. <laughs> And he answers right. But then Jesus adds some stuff to Simon's answer. And he says this. You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that your name now is Peter. I don't know what is the story here with all these name changes all the time, but count it something when God decides to change Simon's name to Peter. But this is what he says. Your name is Peter, and that is going to mean rock. And on this rock, he says that I will build my church. And guess what? All the powers of hell will not conquer it. For anybody here today and you're worried about the world and its principalities and its rulers, its governments, and you think that it can overcome the church, you are wrong. Why? Because Jesus says the gates of hell cannot present, prevail against the church of God. Simple as that. Is it uncomfortable? Is it weird? Yes, it is. But guess what? My word says through Jesus' own mouth, the gates of hell 
cannot conquer the church. It's good news today. And then he goes to Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the car, buddy. This is exciting. I'm going to give you the keys. This is what he says. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth, forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth, permitted in heaven. You're not Simon anymore. You're Peter. Rock. Church. And I'm going to build this whole entire thing on the church. Now, today, we have to tie these two texts together quickly. What Paul has communicated to us in our Ephesians text is this. Is that we are the plan of God. The church. You. Turn to your neighbor say, you. This is important. You're the plan to display the wisdom of God. So this is good. To Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you lock on heaven and on earth, same difference in heaven. Like there's some power within that. But did you notice what Paul said to us in Ephesians 3? That you are the plan on this earth, and he doesn't even refer to going to another human being and saying, guess what? Jesus loves you. Did you catch what he did there? This is important. Can we actually throw verse 10 back up onto the screen, Alejandro? Because I want us to see this today. That you are the plan to communicate to angels and demons. I don't know if you've ever saw that or have ever thought about that. You are the display to angels and demons. Guess what? They're watching you. That's creepy. Yeah, it is. They're watching. And they're waiting to, dis- to see the display of God in your life. I find this fascinating because we know today that in this whole narrative of the mystery of grace, there are two objectives here. Number one, and Paul's doing it with the Gentiles. And if you are not Jewish today, you would be a part of the Gentile crew. That's me. If Paul doesn't preach the gospel, I, as a Gentile, don't hear the good news. I'm thankful for Paul today. But he says our one opportunity now is to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ to our neighbors. How many of you know that we've got the most incredible story ever given to us? We've got the most incredible story to ever be told to a world who is in need. So let me ask you, when's the last time you told somebody? And that's where it gets quiet. We know our first responsibility is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. If you are still interested, I am so excited for this. But starting, I think tomorrow night, our Contagious Faith course is starting. I talked to Aaron this morning. There are a few spots left in this class. You know what it's time for the church to do? To be the plan. You know what the plan is? Open your mouths and tell people about Jesus Christ. And some of us are afraid and scared, and I understand that. But if this is you today, get involved in the Contagious Faith course that is starting tomorrow night for six weeks. It will radicalize your relationship with Jesus, and you will become excited to tell the story. How many of you know people need to hear about Jesus Christ in this world? It's not a ploy for you to get there. I'm just telling you, you can do this because it is the plan. But the second part of the story, tell the good news, it says that today we are to actually appeal to the heavenly context. Angels and demons are watching you right now. So Pastor Tyson, he ended the message a couple weeks ago with a, with a key word. 
And the, it was the prompt. And on the count of three, let's everybody say the word together because I know you remember it. One, two, three. The word was evidence. I know you remembered it. You were just trying to let your neighbor do it first. Evidence. Let's process this. If you and I are the plan of the world, let that sink in, in all of its weight, in all of its glory. If you and I are the plan of the world, like God's plan was you. Let me, let me ask you, have you received the baton well? Are you proceeding in this race with the evidence of God on your life so that a world and angels and demons know a little bit something about God's power in you? And we know that there are two ways in which we could, you know, be this in this world. It's by the things we say and by the things we do. It's the evidence that he talks about all around us. And remember that with that responsibility of what we say and do, we hold these keys in our hand too as the church of God. That we are unlocking and we are permitting in the same breath some things because of the example of the evidence that comes from our lives together. And I love what the Apostle Paul does with this young little gentleman. His name is Timothy. In 1 Timothy 4.12, he says this to young Timothy. He says, don't let anybody look down on you because you are young Timothy. Now, let's stop there for one second. Because how many of you would then be like, oh yeah, I'm not young anymore, so I'm off the hook. Right? Like, ignore that because you're not off the hook. Why? Because you're, you're the church. You're the plan. No matter how old you are, you're part of the plan today. But he, he continues with, with young Timothy and he says, be an example. Your evidence is the example to a world, angels and demons, of what God has done in you. But then he gives this exhortation to young Timothy that I want to leave you with today. Five areas. I want you to think about this. Is the evidence in your life today worthy of the calling of God? Is the evidence in your life today worthy of holiness? Because Jesus requires. Five areas. You can be the judge of your own story today. But young Timothy, I want you to watch what you say. And perhaps you are sitting here today and the things that you are saying are not good evidence. You have been critical you have been perhaps strong against somebody in your languages. And what you say is not good evidence. Perhaps it's the way you live today. And some of us are here and we're living one way when we come to church. But then, oh my goodness, Monday to Saturday, watch me go. But perhaps there are things about the way you are living today that are poor evidence, that are a poor example. And I'm here to tell you that the world is watching. Angels and demons are watching. It's a big deal. Maybe you are holding on to that bitterness, that unforgiveness. And Jesus is saying, let it go. Because of love and what I've done for you. Perhaps today it's your love 
You're not loving the way you need to. Your spouse, your children, your friends. Perhaps it's your faith today. And maybe you're struggling when it comes to your faith. And hands went up in this place earlier as Pastor Jen led us. It was beautiful. Thank you for your honesty. But perhaps there's something there. Maybe it's your purity, what you're watching, even what you're listening to. And it's not holy. Five areas. What's the evidence? Have you received the baton and are you running your race? And will you allow your race to exemplify and model Jesus Christ? And some of us today, we're like, God, you can't use me. I'm a bad apple. Some of you look at your neighbor across from you right now and you're like, you, you definitely can't use them either. Like, look at them. Like, this is a big deal, right? But one thing I know is God has never wavered from his church being the example to a world and to a heavenly realm. Today, I can only imagine God standing in heaven with whoever is there hanging with him. I could imagine him standing there and saying, oh, I see all these people. They're good and they're bad. They're ugly. <laughs> and I could see him standing around and probably not a cigar in his hand or mouth like Cannibal did. But I could just hear him echoing today. You know what I love, guys, gals? I love it when a plan comes together. And my plan is the church in their brokenness, in their lack of, but in their strength and in her glory. I love it when a plan comes together. And you today and me were the plan. How cool is that? Will you close your eyes and stand with me today as we pray? Father, I thank you. I thank you for your plan. And may we, may we not back down in fear to this plan. It is time for your church to stand because the gates of hell cannot stand against us. Like with Jesus, you're on the winning side and the gates of hell can't do anything about it. They'll try, but they can't succeed. They can't win because Jesus Christ has died and resurrected. So you may be in this room today. You have never given your life to this Jesus who died and rose for you. Sins forgiven, grace given, never earned, just given. You may be online as well today and you're hearing the same words. But on the count of three, if you've never accepted Christ and you'd like to know my Savior, I'd like to invite you into that invitation today. On the count of three, I'll ask you to raise your hand, look me in the eye, and then you could put your hand back down. But you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time as Savior of your life. If that's you today, let's do this. One, two, three. Is there anybody in this room you've never accepted Christ? Thank you for your hand. Is there anybody else in this place? And if you're online as well, we'll get you to click that link. I see you. Thank you for that. If you have raised your hand today, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, thank you for seeing me today. I thank you that you love me. That the mystery is grace. As broken as I am, as, as messed up as I am, you take me in for your own. And I'm so thankful today, Jesus, that you see me.
that you love me. And now I submit my life to you. And I ask for you to take control. Teach me what it means to be the plan. And that you will use my life to show a world who Jesus is. And you will use my life to show angels and demons the display of God's wisdom. And I thank you today that although I may feel the least deserving of this moment, you see me as prized and that you will use my life. So I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And with all eyes closed, I gave you a list just moments ago from the book of Timothy. In what you say, live, love, your faith or your purity. And you're saying today, you know what? As I walk into this week, I I need some of the evidence to change in my life. And so one of those five words, when I say the word, if you feel that that is what God is asking you to work on, just raise your hand to him, okay? No one else is looking around right now, but this is for you. If you're saying today that the way I speak needs to change, the evidence needs to be better, will you just raise your hand? That's your commitment to God, okay? If it is the word live, I need to live differently today for him, uh, let that be your hand raised today. If it is the way you love If that's your story, raise that hand to him. He sees what you're trying to do and what you're seeing. If it's your faith today, let that be your hand raised today. God, I need help with my faith and the evidence needs to grow there. Or maybe today it's the purity. If that's you, raise your hand today. All of these things matter to Jesus. So with all eyes open, let me say this. Wherever you just raised your hand, verse 12. Because of Christ and only because of Christ and our faith in him. Watch this. We can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So no matter what your lack is today, what you raised your hand for, God's like, let's go. Want to know why? Because you're the plan. And I love you enough to deal with that stuff, but let's get it on. Let's work this thing out. Let's show a world and unseen principalities who I am. You are the plan, and I believe this when I say it. I believe God looks over your life today, and he says, I love it when a plan comes together, and that's for you. Church, we love you, and I know God loves you even more. If you are brand new to us today, I want you to take a swing back to the Welcome Center to say hello to the trifecta of pastors uh, who are waiting there to say hello to you. Can we also this morning together say congratulations to those who accepted Christ uh, in this place and online. If you said yes to Jesus, text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113. It's an important step in this journey. But church... We love you. I hope you have a fantastic week. You're the plan. Turn to your neighbor before you leave. Five people, tell them they're the plan. And we will see you next week. Thank you.